0: Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious, agnostic, or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore? This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. This is Rebecca Kinnestrand and Daniel Dadashi. or a... The hosts um Pastor Katie McCallumsxi is with us and uh thank you for joining us um this one it's been a while. We apologize for the off and on of the recording this year, but you know it's been this year, and everybody can understand <laughs> pandemic and off and on year yeah can't even under- can't even get over how crazy my schedules have been over the past year so um, we thought we'd talk today. Speaking of pandemic, um, Pastor Katie was wanting to talk a little bit about reentry. It's it's a little bit all over the news. Like it's what are we gonna do? How's it gonna go? A lot of work talk, reentry for work, reentry for this or that. I personally, you know, when you have small kids like I do, I have a child who is cannot get vaccinated. It's a bit different than people who are fully vaccinated. And so everybody is lurching and on a different scale. You perhaps, Pastor Katie, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's so many, you know, at the beginning of this, it was hard and scary and so much was unknown, but what we should do was kind of a, whether people did it or not, the advice was pretty clear and it was across the board, like don't go anywhere, don't see anybody, don't do anything. Uh, stay home. If you have to go out, wear your mask. Do, and that applied to everyone. Um, and there's all kinds of inequities involved in why not everybody could do that. But right now, I feel like it's so hard because the advice depends on whether you're vaccinated or not. I also have a child who's currently too young to be vaccinated. Um, we look forward to the day when, she, when the vaccine's available to her. But that really changes. So, so we're all now we're all living not only with all these different emotions about reentry, but we're all living with different um, circumstances about mm-hmm. what's safe and what's not. and i I think wanting to go back to some semblance of normalcy and looking forward to things and being able to engage with people is all totally normal and healthy and fine, but it's so easy to forget the people who can't get there yet or aren't eligible to get there yet. And it's hard, I think, Mm. to be patient about it now because it has been. It doesn't just feel like a long time. It (laughs) genuinely has been a really long time. And then separately, I mean, we just maybe talk about that for a minute. Separately, I just have so many questions about, you know, all of the grief and loss that we've been through as a human community and whether we're really taking any time to process that or we're just jumping back in and pretending that none of it happened.
0: Yeah, I think it's really tough because, again, everybody's on the spectrum. I mean, some people just have, it's not affected them at all, you know, on a personal level, um, as far as being personally affected by somebody who was either sick or died and so on. And some people, it's just torn their lives apart. And um, and on a global scale, I know that my mind just cannot really reach out that far and on on the contrary, as opposed to looking out far, I've been pulling in and being like, I can't think about all of the world's problems anymore. <laughs> I have to kind of focus on my day and um, what I can affect around me. Uh, and maybe that's you know that's just where I am in the mm-hmm. spectrum. I I just have to cut off a little bit right now, and mm-hmm. other people are leaping in full faith, you know, full on to to do something the parable story that we heard on sunday morning and it's the parable of jesus sleeping on the boat and a big storm comes and the the disciples are all so afraid and they wake him up and say essentially we're gonna die it's terrible and he goes out and says peace and the seas the seas calm and he essentially turns to them right and says if you Mm -hmm. had faith (laughs) why don't you have faith what's wrong with you (laughs) kind of thing yeah why are are you so
1: afraid yeah
0: why were you so afraid and I remember hearing that story long ago um, as a child and it was very much one of the stories of the bible that stood out to me there was something very very powerful about hearing hearing a story of a person who go who just looks into the storm and says peace Mm-hmm. And it still resonates with me when I hear that to and now, even that as a child, I was like, "Oh wow, you know, big waves and so on, and now I think of of course, the tumult of life and the things that can affect you and the metaphor but why why do you think that is so powerful?
1: Well, I do think part of it is our our desire to know that there is like life beyond the storm that there can that that God can bring peace and stillness to the storm we're in, as you say, whether that's r- real or metaphorical, and most of the time it's the latter. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't think we should underestimate the power of that image that Jesus stands up in this boat. And, you know, those boats were pretty small. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was probably pretty terrifying. And he just says, he doesn't call down, you know, violent powers that he just says the word peace. And it happens just the way that the, kind of echoes back to the story of Genesis that God says something and it happens. Um, so there's, I think there's real mm-hmm. comfort in that. And when we're in just feeling like we're about, everything is about to break apart underneath our feet. We need to know that we are known and loved by a God who can bring an end to the storm. But I think the other piece of it is, um, it, and part of what I love about the story is I need to know that God knows what it's like in the boat. <laughs> like mm, I, I need to know that, that Jesus went through that storm and he saw how awful it was and how scary it was. And he saw how afraid his friends were. And he never, I mean, he does say like, why were you so terrified? But he doesn't make fun of them. He doesn't dismiss them. He doesn't shame them or anything. He just sort of gently reminds them like, well, I'm here. You didn't have to be, freaked out but it, they it, yeah it was scary <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so the story like tells us that storms happen and the disciples didn't do anything wrong to de- they didn't right. deserve it it just happened and jesus was in the boat and you know once we ask, you asked me my opinion about a bible story you just you know, sit down I, I love it but the last thing i'll say is as i was reading the story this time what really stood out to me that I don't don't know ever particularly has before is the story mentions um and this is in Mark chapter 4 that we're talking about that there were other boats out there with them and so Jesus doesn't just magically get the disciples' boat out of the storm he stops the storm for everybody and that really stuck with me like we're we're in I've heard this phrase used before this last year we're all in the same storm we're not all in the same boat <laughs> Yes, some of I us, love some of us have privileges that have insulated us from a lot of the worst of this. Others of mm-hmm. us are like, the boat is full of water and we are just about to go under. Um, mm-hmm. But Jesus doesn't just pick a couple boats to save, He just stops the storm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it felt like a really resonant story this mm-hmm. this time around.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also had mentioned n- once you get to the shore, don't forget there are boats still out there. And as yeah. we were just saying, I was like, I can't help those boats. I feel like I, maybe my boat isn't on shore yet and I'm filling with water. I think that it may be just taking an assessment of where is my boat?
2: <laughs> am I close mm-hmm.
0: to shore? Am I really in the storm still? Where right. am I? You know, maybe that's a really good assessment to to make. When you were talking about Jesus being in the boat, I wonder, that reminds me that Pastor Mike always had been saying Jesus you know on the cross was with you into death is that kind of the thing like is I'm trying to think of this you know is Jesus just there all the time showing look I'm here too
1: a lot of the time yeah I mean it's you know I think this is what Martin Luther would call the theology of the cross which is to say that the most profound way we know God is when we are at our in our hardest and most awful moments that doesn't mean God isn't also in the great stuff but What it means is that we often feel abandoned by God when things just fall apart. And yet God is maybe most present with us in those moments, whether we feel it or sense it or not. And that's really where God is. And so I do think many of the stories of scripture are meant to show, to to tell us that, you know, to give us examples of what that looks like. I mean, there's other times when Jesus does heal people. He does miraculous things. He gets them out of their hard situation, at least for the moment. But Mm -hmm. you know, the hungry people Jesus fed, we're hungry like six hours later and the people that Jesus healed of stuff eventually died of something. So Jesus, I think to me, the most, one of the most profound truths of the gospels is this incarnation, like God really with us in it so that whatever we're in, we know we're not alone in it. And I mean, has, Mm -hmm. have we, have we not learned (laughs) this year how hard it is to be alone? how it makes everything mm. it makes everything worse. Now, I mean full mm-hmm. full disclosure, I say this as an introvert who would seriously like some time alone in the next maybe like, I don't know, someday. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Someday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, no, I definitely feel, know.
2: Yeah. And, and humanity's meant
0: to be in groups essentially. Yeah.
2: You know, I feel like when we we talk about big tragedies in the world, we we so often hear about getting through the tragedy and not about that awkward time after where you're figuring out how to return to whatever is going to be normal. And you think about the number of books and movies about the Civil War versus Reconstruction. And now we're in that awkward, long space of transitioning that? <laughs> into regular life. Uh-huh. And like, what lessons are we going to take from it? And what is what are things going to look like? And how fast are we going to get there? And what how do we do it i i don't know i i feel like we're at a real in between and i feel like the churches that are real in between too because some churches are meeting some churches are still online some are still like like our church in in, in a parking lot i want to yeah. say
0: that i think there's a lot of opportunity i'll just jump in there and i was <laughs> like i think huge amounts of opportunity come out of churn i mean you have inertia for a reason and this says everything can get like, we've done it this way. It's this way. It's too hard to change. And then something happens and you're like, I guess we can change. You know, (laughs) I sometimes think of it in, uh, I talked to my husband about sustainability and people are like, well, we'll never, people will never stop driving cars or we'll never this or that or we'll never, never. And it's like, well, what if you really couldn't one day? What if you just, what if it just stopped? And it doesn't seem possible until oh, wait, we, we did just stop. We just stopped one day. <laughs> and it yeah. you know, we could, and it happened. So I mm-hmm. think there's just a huge amount of opportunity to come out of such an incredible stop to society.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. But I think that only happens if we are somewhat at least intentional about it. Because mm. I I think people, we, you know, it's just human. We want to revert back to the, status quo so often even when the status quo was not so hot we at least knew it and so I uh, part of what I wonder about what the church can do is uh, the church kind of writ large is is name this time as like this liminal time it's in between it's not quite the past it's not quite Mm -hmm. the future Um, and it's it is full i think it is full of opportunity but i think at the same time um there's so much we've experienced over this last year that we just haven't even had time to unpack because we just had to put one foot in front of the other and figure it out and mm. I, I just feel like I, sometimes i just need to say man this is hard this is hard mm. this is the hardest part <laughs> so far mm. And some of it is balancing all of these, you know, needs for health and safety for different age ranges and people having very real emotional and and mental health needs to be together. That is not something I want to discount at the same time Mm. that there are still populations among us that are highly at risk for the variants that are going to get worse and worse until we really get this thing under control just sort of holding space for that complexity is, you know, something I hope the church can do. Mm -hmm. It's just really, it's hard. It's hard to do. It's draining.
0: I like the idea of creating a vision. So we're in this transition time and I talk about opportunity, but maybe it's like, what's the vision? If you could just make it so, what would you want? I did remember my thing that I was going to say before was that, um, Cheryl Strayed wrote this book that I can't remember the name of, um, but she walked the uh, Pacific Crest Trail and it, it's a really good book. And she was being Wild. interviewed by Oprah. Wild, right. Yeah. And she wrote uh, she wrote this book. She was being interviewed by Oprah and uh, she just looked at Oprah and said, have you ever been alone by yourself and not talked to anyone else for nine days? And Oprah immediately said, no, never. And I thought about that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, have I ever, I mean, sure, I've been away for a weekend, maybe, or maybe somebody, you know, you think, oh, I've been to camping or something, but you're like, have I really not spoke to another single human being for longer than a couple days, maybe? Or, you know, you not even have a TV, nothing, like there's no, no outside influence. And I thought that would be really profound. And people do this, they want, or they go away to try to do this, like, silent places and stuff i think you're still around people so maybe that doesn't count i don't know but just monasteries and so on but there
1: must there's something to that i've not been nine days i mean my first thought was like oh man that sounds awesome That
2: sounds amazing
1: (laughs) but i don't know if i could make it nine days honestly i think i'd be like
2: "Uh can i I bring a book i don't well yes she did
1: have books
2: I, or okay. maybe
0: she didn't have books because that would be very heavy to carry. I don't know.
2: I could see. I mean, she Pacific was hiking Tr- Coast through the woods. trail. You you stop at at towns along the way, and you can mail yourself packages. A, right. A friend of the friend of the podcast Hillary is training to do the PCT, but um, so I happen to know this. You stop at different places and you can mail yourself packages ahead of time. So you could theoretically. Right. Have a book or two for each leg, and then recycle them. Yeah, out. but you're
0: not going to want to carry it. I mean, like they literally saw their toothbrushes in half to like reduce the amount of weight. I mean, it's we sacrifice gonna, for what
2: we matter. Maybe they can, maybe they do. I, I'll have to reread the book and see if. Also, you know. if you're sawing a, if, if you're sawing your toothbrush in half, I'm just going to get real here. The problem is psychological. That's not. <laughs> The, the amount of weight you're losing is not significant enough. And that's oh, okay. You're tricking Oh, no, gonna Danielle. We're going to have a talk. Email, you're
0: you're going to get email. emails about that one. I, I live with a Listen, mountaineer, okay? Like, they have half on. sleeping bags. They have, like, you know, the lightweight world is, like, its own I got entity.
2: You. I'm sure there are lots <laughs> of things that do save weight. I don't think three quarters, you know, three quarters of your toothbrush is enough of a difference beyond what it makes in your mind. And I'm not saying that's not important. (laughs) we all fool ourselves into things I often will just I just need to trick myself and then I'll feel better but I don't think you're actually doing anything
0: they like weigh their packs you know and like every single little half ounce that comes off they weigh it weigh it weigh it weigh it you know
2: I don't know I've never
0: hiked something like that I probably saw my toothbrush after you I'd probably be checking out everything
2: like like me at the Alaska (laughs) check in I'm like oh gosh (laughs) right (laughs) You're over 50 pounds. 51? (laughs) How can I get rid of a pound of two (laughs) t-shirts?
0: Okay, let's talk a tiny bit about travel because we're trying to get to Sweden. And I mean, let me tell you about trying to get an American into Sweden and Swedes back to America and vaccinated people and unvaccinated people and (laughs) get all the things on the forums and where are you going and oh wait, you're going to Reykjavik first so you got to get into the EU and the EU has different things. Okay. That part, I want to go back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> part, yeah, yeah. The free Fair flow enough. of goods is also this whole shortage of everything's a shortage. And I, honestly, I actually think that as, as annoying as it can be to not get the couch that you ordered or whatever it is, the thing that you're wanting, it's like, I do think that the addiction to I can just get what I want when I want it, kind of like right now, was a little silly. Um, that wasn't the certainly wasn't the way it was when I was a child and I mean I know that the convenience is great but we were so used to just it showed up at your door like today and now that there's this waiter it's like oh I can't I actually cannot get something that I want it does it it allows you to give pause to your stupid privilege be like okay I I can live without whatever that Mm -hmm. thing
2: was it's yeah. interesting to think about how, our, how we'll change afterwards. You look at like the flu outbreak of 1919 and what do they say? Mm-hmm. Like the roaring 20s and this idea of partying and liberation and celebrating and getting together. Spend your money. Breaks. You
0: don't know when you're going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like a direct correlation to the quarantine and that time of scarcity. And then you party afterwards. It does make you wonder from a church perspective. Are people, what are people going to be craving that's different or the same as before? Are people going to want more time in community after church? Or are they going to want longer time in worship, more music, Mm. more um, Bible study, more fellowship outside, like more like walking around? What are people going to be craving that's different from their church communities who have been going to church? And then people Mm. who are seeking a new way of worship or a new worshiping community. What are they going to be looking for? It's kind of interesting because I'm, I'm guessing the only thing that will definitely not be true is that it will not, they, people will not want the exact same thing as before because mm-hmm. we're all kind of changed. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, some people will want some of the exact same, I think, because it feels familiar and you yeah, know, that's, that's understandable. Um, But I, even that I think won't feel the same because we're not the same. Like Mm -hmm. we've all, we've all become different people over this last year and a half. And there's probably some good to that. And there's a lot of loss involved in that. And even for those of us who were not, you know, directly impacted by the death of a loved one or the loss of a job, there's still a huge cultural, we've experienced loss in a very profound way. And, and so even trying to do the same things, I think, would still feel different, even if you were with the same people. Um, Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes just the way things feel. How how many people will decide, you know, I got away from being in church, and I think I'm fine with that. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. And how many people made it through this time and are like, you know, I feel like I wanna get involved in a faith community now. I, I've m i have realize now that I miss so you know, there's just there's just so much it still feels like it still feels like like feathers in the air, you know? Yeah. And I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know or for those of you who uh are maybe familiar with this communion wafers in the air. Um but just like <laughs> things floating around and I don't know where they're gonna settle down. And I will say my own particular personality is very much like I like to plan stuff. I like to have like a list of things. I really like to get stuff right. Like, let's figure out the right way to do it and then do it, even if it's not the only right way, like a right way to do it. And so something that's really like pressed hard on me this last year has been, yeah, there's no right way to do this. There's just not. It. And there still isn't.
2: Mm-hmm. And man
1: alive. Um, that just, that just, ugh punches me. So uh, it's probably good for Feathers me, in but... the air. Feathers in the air is
0: going to be the Feathers name of this episode. I love that. It's so <laughs> right. true. I'm yeah. wondering if um can we pull from other plagues? Like I know we all know about the 1918 mm-hmm. influenza, but there've been lots of plagues throughout history and is there anything that we can pull from from the Bible that um did they talk about anything like this or what happened after or did it lead to anything?
1: I mean, you know, the play, you know, like the 10 plagues, right? But those were, I mean, the way the story is told, those are like sent for a purpose. And then they do lead to liberation in the end. Okay, so talk about that
0: for the uh, listeners who don't know what you're talking about.
1: So the people um, in in the end of Genesis, the people who become the Hebrew people are down in Egypt. And after 400 years, we pick up with the book of Exodus and they've become enslaved they've been begging for release god finally raises up moses to be a leader and is going to take them out of the land but pharaoh who's getting good value out of all this free work of course has (laughs) no interest in in releasing the slaves as juneteenth recently demonstrated to us like why would you tell people (laughs) that they're free that right okay they're free but let's not tell them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the system does not like that so god sends these plagues um of various kinds to convince Pharaoh and Pharaoh keeps saying no. And finally the last plague is the death of the firstborn in Egypt. And finally Pharaoh says, go. So I think that, that story is different in the way that it's told, like God purposefully sends these, these incidents, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, I, I would really shy away from saying anything like that about disease or pandemic or any kind of illness. I don't think God sends us that stuff.
2: Um uh-huh. But it, I do it's think... also interesting because that's another example of where the plagues seemed short timeline wise as opposed to the resulting 40 years of wandering in the desert that right. the Hebrew people mm. did afterwards. Mm. It's another yep. example of like, oh my God, big impacts. <laughs> and then, like, it takes a long time for the feathers to settle. It does. Mm. And that might be where.
1: You know, so the the plagues throw everything into such a sense of like loss and 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 disruption and all of that that Pharaoh's like just get out. And so the people do. Um, it'd be interesting. To, we don't know. It'd be interesting to go back and what happened to the Egyptian people after that. Like, how did they deal with what they had experienced? But what? Right. Yeah, what happens to the Israelites is they they're free, but then they got to find their way back home, and it takes forty years. And there's immediately the first thing they do is argue with each other and try to pick each other apart about, <clears throat> you know, how they're going to get there and what they're going to eat. And one of my favorite moments in the story, not because it's great, but because I recognize myself in it, is how they ro- immediately romanticize how great it was when they were enslaved. They're like, at least people gave us food. You were slaves, man. <laughs> but they, you know, like the human, right. the human desire to go back to it. They're like, well, that was mm-hmm. terrible, but at least we knew what it was. Well, um, I think at least I didn't have of... to
2: put on real pants. I know. at least I made <laughs> the game with it. That uh, We're gonna find we're gonna complain about putting on pants and we're gonna romanticize <laughs> our quarantine times. I was gonna say it could very well be because when
0: you put it in a time frame of forty years, I think, what about the kids of the pandemic? So, mm-hmm. Pastor Katie, you're and I children, you're and i children, um, mm-hmm. living through this, like how is that going to affect their entire life view going forward what they do for a living how they do it i mean you're gonna tell my kids that they can't work from wherever the heck they want to i don't think so like that's over for them you know yeah and even if they go back to school which they will and they do the whole thing like it's it's just kind of done it's tainted for that whole, whole generation they're like this you know they're an online life now there's that obviously that we can kind of obviously see but how many underlying impressions or imprints are there on them now that will take them forward so when they make a decision about what they want to do or um, where they want to be or how they want to do that i mean i can i can just see a whole spool of things unraveling um, as
1: they become global citizens for example yeah that's for sure true i mean i think about how it's not exactly the same, but I think about how often I hear people explain like their grandmother or great grandmother is a certain way, hangs on to things because she lived through the mm. depression. Now that was a much obviously longer, more devastating time economically for a lot of people. The stuff we live through as young people can really, can really change us in ways that, yeah, I think you're right, aren't aren't knowable n- yet. Um, what's it like to be a kid and realize that nobody? In your life, the adults do not know what they're doing. They don't know how to do this, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we all learn that eventually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, my daughter is ten, and and you know, we tried to provide her with a reasonable amount of like security, and it's going to be okay. We'll figure it out, you, you know? know. And mm-hmm. but you know, they they've kind of had kind of had the blinders taken off. Um, that the world is really just one big improv
0: (laughs) and And it can um, be up turned upside down tomorrow. Yep. So just that imprint of like, Oh, well, yeah, I could do this, but maybe tomorrow it'll be totally different because now the talk is not just like, okay, COVID-19, but when's the next one, Mm -hmm. you know, and it will happen again. And when would it happen again? What would, you know, all of that. So I think there's a ton of impressions that have happened.
1: You know, we're at this moment where it feels like there's such a desire to like, just move on already. Like, can we just be done with it? And I think part of what, and I don't want the church to be out there like being a huge bummer for people, but I do think (laughs) it's important to tell the truth. And the truth is we're not done and we're not going to know the impact this has had for years. And and it's better to just be honest about that. Like it, it sets you free to be honest about it, rather than we're all bottling it up and trying to pretend like, you know, everything's everything's fine.
2: From a youth ministry perspective, I think about you know what was this last year and a half as a percentage of my life. I won't say it because I don't want you to know how old I am because I look <laughs> younger than I am. You're I an old mill. I know that. me, <laughs> I'm an elder millennial. An elder, um, elder millennial. But For younger kids, it's a much larger percentage of their life and it's a much larger percentage of their remembered life. And so I'm thinking of the next 12, 18 years of my ministry. And each group that comes through is going to have had this large chunk of their life at a different point in their life. And it will therefore affect them differently. My current high schoolers, they had it. They had it in their high school year. When they, the big effect was like I missed out on milestones and friends and whatnot. And there's not quite so much of the anxiety that young people might have who are younger who might feel like they missed out on important socializing stuff when they were forming relationships with kids. And therefore, there's a little more awkwardness in it. I don't have quite as much of the anxiety around cleanliness or disease that I think is happening among the younger kids who have internalized this. And I think it is going to be two decades of Mm. every few years, this new group moving through each point of their life is going to have new challenges and different challenges than the ones before. Mm. And so what I'm doing right now is different, I think, than what I'll do in three years because it'll be a different group of kids who had a completely different life experience. And I, I don't know yeah. how to do that. I hope yeah. as time goes on, there will be training for people like me <laughs> and for teachers. And you're going to be the trying. one training
0: because you're going to be the one going through it. Right. <laughs> um, no, that's really profound. I totally think that that's, I, I totally think that that's true. Um, my son, uh, we, I think we said last night, I, we were talking about him going back to school and I was like, well, if you miss two years of school, essentially, you know, he's 10. I was like, so 20% of your life has been at home, you know, it's huge. <laughs> and not seeing friends and, and so on. So,
2: And yeah, what percentage gonna... of his remembered life, right? Most of our memories exactly. take place after the age of six or seven. Right. right. Two I mean, this years is of five. Huge. Yeah.
0: yeah, mm-hmm, it's It's getting up there. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, I just say take care, everybody. Try to figure out what boat you're in, if you can, if you're on shore and you can turn back and give a hand to the people who are coming up. And um, if not, you know, if you need someone to bail, be vulnerable, ask for the help. Um, Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and um, send us an email. I don't think we've gotten much email recently. Uh, Everybody's busy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, challenging Christianity podcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you and what you think on this topic and what your challenges may be. Thanks, everybody. Sounds Thanks good. for coming, Thanks. Pastor Katie. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.